What's going on, Podcast Experience listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Nana Podcast Experience. Today we have Robin Koenig. She's a public speaker, a certified professional coach from Carlsbad, California, and also is in the corporate game to decide to invest in her own side hustles and entrepreneurship. That's enough for me to let Robin introduce herself. Hey, KT, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, you nailed it. I, I am a coach. <laughs> I like to get out there and just kind of bring forward a lot of conversations with people to help them get out of their own way. You know, and so the the most that I can do to help people figure out like what it is that they're awesome at, and use that as what I call their superpowers. Mm-hmm. It's like it starts to open doors for people, and that's essentially what I want to do. I want to help them use those superpowers to create the life change they want. I like it. That super that superhero analysis is a great way to kick it off. Uh, give me a little insight though on how you started in the personal world of being a coach and helping others. Is that always something a passion growing up you love to do with maybe a sibling? Just give me a little moment there. Yeah. No. Honestly, you know, I started my, my career back in my 20s as a freelance wardrobe stylist. I worked in the entertainment business here in L.A. Hmm. and had nothing at all to do with what I do now, aside from the fact that I've been able to take every kind of experience that I've navigated from being a, you know, a freelancer to then working in the corporate world, transitioning to a nonprofit job and, you know, being a, a C-suite leader. And I've taken all of those things and realized I'm really good at helping people solve problems, but also like see what it is that their perspective is and helping them decide if that's going to get them what they want. So it had nothing at all to do with the kinds of jobs I was doing. It was the passion that I had and the gift that I had to step back and help people see things differently. That's why I decided to become a life coach because that in itself was the most fulfilling thing that I'd done through every single kind of job opportunity I'd done in like 20 years. Very interesting how you adjust position and twist of perspective saying the uh, passion, right? A lot of people talk about well, where's that passion, where's that drive? And when you're coaching some of these people, is that the same things they're talking about too, where the passion is sometimes at a loss and you're there to help them fix and almost be like a counselor too as a coach? Yeah, you know, it's funny because coaching is, is so unique in the sense that it's really just a process, right. right? So everything I've done, I don't tell people how to do it. I just help them figure out like what is it that's getting in their way to do what it is that they want. And passion is awesome, but at the end of the day, you also have to be able to say, well, but what is it that's fueling it? Like, what's your why? Mm -hmm. And when they start to ground themselves in the things that they really love to do, that make them happy, and it it fits in their definition of success, then it's about, okay, well, but what's getting in your way? And there's, there's, you know, some very basic blocks that usually tend to get in the way, fear, lack of confidence, um, judgment, self-judgment. So it's just kind of like helping them understand those things. And then all of a sudden, it's just like the light bulbs start to go off and they just like, they, they start to really see it and believe it and then right. do it. And in the world of, uh, of course, mental health being big and, and sometimes people say, well, a certain trauma got in their way. Is there anything you would say to those people right now who may be struggling, you know, in their life or they feel like they need coaching, what's the best advice you can do after you have a session to act on the, 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 almost the process you guide out for them? Uh, you you got to have some faith and trust in yourself, okay. right? And so um, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of folks, myself included, we want to control things because we feel like if we don't that, you know, the, the train's going to fall off the track. At the end of the day, the only thing you can control is yourself, right? You have right. a sphere of influence and it's yourself. And you can't control what somebody else is going to do or how they react or feel. And trying to live that way is just going to continually, you're going to come back to the same thing. So putting that emphasis on understanding yourself and what you can control is like you're at the place of choice. And so that's really, I'd say, a, a big part of that. And then the second piece is just not worrying about what other people think and removing the, the should, right? Stop shooting on yourself because mm-hmm. as you get older and you have other experiences and things, you start to do things because of what other people believe you should be doing. And that will continually wind you up in a place where you're like, I'm not happy. We'll get into word choice in a bit, right? The should versus will culture. Uh, because a lot of people think, well, because it's will, well, what happened? But if you really just use those words and make that powerful statement, you, you're more likely to do it. Um, you mentioned very interesting. You said you like to almost had that control of situation. Is that a, a, a beneficial factor of why you left the corporate world 20 years to go into your uh, entrepreneurship business in a sense where hey, I got I can control what I can control? 
<laughs> I wish it was, but to be honest, no, I don't really wish it. But at the time, I was laid off. So okay. I've, I've been through two layoffs in my life so far. <laughs> I don't think I'll be laying myself off anytime soon. But, um, but no, I mean, I was, I was laid off from my job in, in the corporate environment, which at the time in my life, I, was, I had just gone through a divorce. I was handling my own, you know, I, was, my, I had a mortgage. I had a young son. I was a single mom. And I was freaked out. It scared the crap out of me. I was, I, I put myself in a place of fear and said, what am I going to do now? Because I'm scared. That was a very different place than when two and a half years ago, I was also laid off from my nonprofit organization job. And I realized right. this is an opportunity. It was a very different hmm. perspective. And I just said, I get to choose now. I'm not going to just go back and get a job because I'm afraid. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen to the things that I want to understand better. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And I, that's how I got to where I am now. And it's still scary. I'm not saying fear doesn't exist. But, I mean, it, I decided. I chose. And I said, this is what I want to do, not what I should do. Absolutely. And we'll go back to that. Like I said, the words, and I, I, when you had that moment of almost that light bulb moment for yourself to say, I wanted to do this and figure out my own, would that not only align with your personality of, you know, go getting and making things and solving problems, but also just the way the world worked? Did you feel like sometimes those backs against the wall moments create that opportunity? A thousand percent, you know, and, and it's something that I love to coach about because you know what, you mm. should be, you should be putting yourself in situations. I just said the word should, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the desire to say, I want to put myself in a place of being uncomfortable is what's going to stretch you, you know, staying in a comfort zone and, and hanging out there for a while. It's cool, comfy, but it's not going to stretch you. It's not going to get you to, you know, the, the zone of genius that you have. Um, so, you know, I have a, an amazing leadership coach that I've worked with before. He's written a, a phenomenal number of books named Steve Farber. And mm -hmm. he talks about this, um, this thing called the, the OSM. It's the oh shit moment. And, and it's really, it's like when you show up to something and the first thing in your mind is, oh shit. Like that is a moment of audacity that's going to put you in a positive place of moving you forward. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the opportunity. Yeah, no, sometimes that moment of uncomfortability, right? You're outside your comfort zone uh, and you're inside your comfort zone in a sense, right? You know you're going to be out there. You have to eventually get comfort and find that comfort. Uh, let's, let's connect that with leadership. If, let's say you have a client, right, that may be going through, uh, let's say they have a nice high position in anything, or maybe they might be on their own business and they are the leader, CEO, and all that. What are some things you would say to them who may be struggling to connect leadership and that moment of uncomfortability to get them back aligned to their values? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think it comes down to, again, understanding, like, what is it that they truly desire? Because maybe they're not even – putting goals or opportunities up there that mm -hmm. are raising the bar for them to, again, push themselves or challenge themselves because they don't believe it's possible. Right. And so I, I think it comes down to that because there are plenty of leaders out there that even have like a fear of success, which is mm. almost even harder to break through than a fear of failure. Right. So a fear of success is like, well, then there's something there in regards to their understanding themselves and their self-worth and the value they associate with them getting uncomfortable and going for it. And, you know, maybe it's perception, maybe it's a fear of judgment, like what are people going to think and what have you, but there's so much there that can be better understood when, when leaders start working on themselves, that translates to how they mm -hmm. lead, how their team connects with them, how they develop relationships, because business, personal, socially relationships are what it's all about and how you show up to them. It's just going to differ by environment, but ultimately it comes down to you. Right. At the end of the day, it comes down to you. You mentioned uh, about social interactions, right? I think the way you connect with your team is something you can see better. Now, when you were in the corporate world and let's say you were working with the team or you saw some, were you more of an observer compared to a doer or was it just a little bit mix of both and now you're applying the observations with the coaching and also giving these people action plans in the process? What was the process on that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm a kind of a combination of both because um, gotcha. I consider myself a processor. Mm -hmm. um, so I love understanding data and information and I do process it. So sometimes it takes me a moment to just kind of like think about what it is that I would do or how I would, you know, interpret something. But I'm also a high performer. 
So I like to be busy. I like to be doing things. I'm a mom of four teenagers. So wow. I'm like, I'm, I'm a busy person. So I like the ability to constantly be active um, physically and mentally. So I, I kind of, I do both, to be honest. I'm <laughs> on both sides of that coin. No, that's great. That's great. We, we like, we like seeing active people, right? A lot of people talk about, well, it, it's too hard and make excuses, but to see people like yourself going out there and doing for your kids, they're going to set a good example. And is, is that something that drives you to seeing your kids doing some of their things where it's like, Hey, mom's being active. Let me get up and get active. Is, you see some of the correlation, those mirror neurons working. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I hope that I do, you know, because I do, um, I try to inspire as much as I get a tremendous number of eye rolls from my, my teenagers, but, um, but no, I mean, I, I do. And it's like, sometimes it's just about giving them the confidence to say, you know what, just trying something and messing it up is, you know, just as valuable as doing it and being successful. So with every opportunity, they are going to learn something and that just takes time. And so I do, I'm very encouraging of those things, but I also fully believe in taking action because sitting back and hoping and wishing and dreaming and, you know, I, I I believe in visualization and manifestation, but at the end of the day, you still got to do something. And so the kinds of success that people want and the desires takes very intentional action and not just doing for the sake of like, oh, look at me, I'm doing so much. That's busy isn't, you know, no gold star for that. It's very intentional action and understanding the results. Is it working or is it not working? And what do you want to do differently? We'll touch on the process of intentional action a little bit later. Um, now, you've worked, how, how's the demographic of you? Let's say you're working with a younger person, like maybe just going through something, or, or maybe they could start their own online business compared to somebody who is older or is trying to figure out things. What's the demographic like when the coaching business and anything you've seen from a certain demographic that might apply down the road or vice versa? I think it's extremely diverse. You know, and that's what's so cool about the coaching industry is that, okay. you know, there's a there's a coach for everyone. And um, I have, when I first started coaching two and a half years ago, I was very concerned or, or maybe felt very pushed to pick a niche, right, to, to be very clear in what kind of coaching I was doing. Because coaching can be very intangible, right? If you've never been through coaching or, uh, you know, you may not understand, like, what does it do? And so... Um, I went through some phases of where I was like trying to define better. I'm a leadership coach. I'm a business coach. I was a dating coach. I was a lot of a relationship coach, all the different kinds of coaches. And what I realized was I was doing myself a disservice and I intentionally stepped back from it and was like, I don't even care what kind of coach I'm defining myself as. Like I'm a life coach, as generic as that sounds, because I work with a person on themselves. And when you work on yourself, it's going to bleed into every part of your life. You know, you don't have different lives. You don't have a personal life, a professional life, a social life, a family life. Like, those are different environments with different people. When you work on yourself and your life, then it's like it's going to, you're going to have an impact when you show up to work or when you go on a date or when you go out to, um, you know, get a new job. So I guess to come back to your question, I love the fact that coaching has so much diversity that mm -hmm. it's really just about, do you believe in the opportunity, right? You as a client, do you believe in the opportunity, whether you're 21 years old or 41 years old? And if so, what's going to work for you? And that just comes down to like having conversations with different kinds of coaches. And do you like their style? Do you like their demeanor? And do you believe and trust that they're going to get you what you want? You just got to try it out. No, sometimes it is trial and error for sure. Uh, back to that intentional action a little bit. Uh, w when you look at just the way you, the challenges, right, everyone has challenges building, how are you going to incorporate intentional action into your, let's say, any challenges in the future? And also, could you have incorporated any intentional action of any challenges in the past when you first started this coaching business? Um, so I think what it comes down to is a lot of times we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to take really big steps, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, if I'm going to build a business, I have to, you know, have a big business plan and get my website up and running and do all of these things for it to like come to life. And what I really like to do is focus on the fact that an intentional action could be one small thing. Okay. It could be making a phone call or having a conversation with somebody and, 
you know, kind of understanding them that's going to lead you to the next thing. So not being afraid to like, I am, I look at it as and the action is like building a bridge. You're doing it one step at a time or Mel Robbins says like one Lego at a time. You're just building it. And so, you know, I guess it's just, I like to look at it as like intentionality is just about being very clear and very focused on what you want and putting those steps in place, but also not overwhelming yourself with this massive action plan that you're like, check, check, check. And then when you're done with it, you're like, now what? You know, it doesn't go anywhere. You haven't built those blocks. So removing the idea that it has to be a massive, big, huge thing. And if you don't do a big, huge thing, you haven't done anything. Give yourself some credit for the small things and then also making sure your dots are connected to something, a result that you're seeking. I mean, an average day of any type of entrepreneur, right, there's always going to be that time. Maybe it's an hour, two hours, three hours, even 10 minutes, right, in a day where you have that free time. What you do with that free time, maybe like you said, it's that simple phone call you were nervous to have to get outside your own comfort zone. Or maybe it's as simple as just saying, hey, let's shake someone's hand hold the door. It's, it, it can be anything, right? And those small things, it may not directly relate to the to the ongoing process here at the moment, but that can always be in the back of your mind. Say, hey, I can always pull this card out when stuff does hit the fan, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so when you get through those challenges, Tom, what are some things you do to get through those, let's say, challenging times to maybe, let's say, find a client or maybe something yourself that you're going through? What are some things you do to make sure you get through those times? Um, you know, I, I, I give myself permission to like be in a bad place sometimes like I mean I do a lot of work with people on like energy and not like I you know not woo woo energy like understanding how they show up to something energetically whether it be like in a negative frame of mind or a positive frame of mind it's about perspective and and kind of where your mindset is and so sometimes you just have to get a little pissed off about something and that's okay and so giving yourself permission to just be like man that really did suck. I didn't like how that felt, you know, have the emotional understanding, emotional awareness of where you are, but then kind of like a rubber band, be able to snap out of it and know how to do that. Know how you can change or shift your energy from that low place, which can be really dark and, and heavy and, you know, not an awesome place to live, but go there and then come back out of it to a place where like now I'm going to, do something different, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I like to say, you know, you're giving yourself some space and grace. Wait, they giving yourself some space and grace. I, I think yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people, don't give them credit enough to, you know, well, I got a problem, right? Or, I, I, I think I got depression. They don't give them not only the space and grace, they don't credit themselves for having. There's nothing wrong. That's normal. We're all going to have those down days, and if you embrace it, like we've talked about, and and you live intentionally, right? You get that intentional action there. And sometimes just say, it's going to happen. It makes a difference. It maybe puts you that low energy and might start bringing you up the ladder and building that foundation like a Lego piece for sure. Yeah. And and again, it's like sometimes it's just like the more that you start to understand it about yourself, what those triggers are, what the things that are going to kind of snap you out of it, the faster you can do it the next time. You know, you can be like, okay, you know what? I didn't, I didn't handle that as well as I would like to, but this is what I learned about myself. You know, as a parent, I feel that all the time. You know, there's going to be days where I'm just like, man, I did not handle that my, that very well. You know, I could, I, I, I want to communicate better or maybe I flew off the handle on that. What would I change and how would I do differently? So the next time, you know, I respond differently. But it's like, it, it's just a reflex. That's what habits are. You know, they're just, they, you have to be able to assess them and learn from them. It's all about that learning and adapting process. I think that's a great way to uh, sum up that portion of the show a little bit. So let's move a little bit into your public speaking gig and tell me a little bit how you got started in that. And for anybody who may want to get into it or who may have never even seen an actual public speaker in public, uh, give us a little one-on-one -on, -one on what you do. Yeah. So, you know, public speaking is such a, a huge industry. And you've got folks that, you know, go out and do, you know, whether it be a workshop or conferences, events. I mean, it's it's really an opportunity for anybody that just likes to share their story and inspire others. So there's a variety of ways you can do it. And I mean, I spent 20 years literally in my last, you know, careers speaking. I, you know, I've been in communications and marketing for a long time. And, but what I realized when I started to work for myself was that, 
all of the speaking opportunities I had in corporate and even in, in the nonprofit world were sharing other people's voices and other, you know, other missions, right? I had my corporate days of, you know, plugging different products and going out and doing PR appearances. In my nonprofit days, I was speaking on behalf of the organization and about the mission and inspiring people, but it wasn't necessarily my message, my true message. And that's really what led me to do that as a part of my coaching work was I have a voice. I've never necessarily been a shy person. I'm a little bit of an introvert, but um, I felt that there was value to add that additional layer, be able to go out and share a topic and give a different perspective that maybe, you know, was different from the norm and also give something tangible as a takeaway that people mm -hmm. could, you know, it either resonates with them or it doesn't and that's fine. So I just, I don't know, I just kind of felt like it was a really natural compliment that was true to my gifts and the things that I knew I was good at. So I decided to get out there and, and put it in the ring. Sometimes it's trial and error and use your strengths and double down on it. That's it. It really is a, it is a process, as you mentioned. Uh, give me a little bit of a backstory. Any, let's say you went to an event, whether it be in the corporate world or just in a random event, organization, planning. Uh, give me a little backstory on one story you did at a public speaking event that really just touched you and made you say, you know what, I really impacted the crowd. Um, so, you know, that happened very frequently, to be honest, when I was working for the nonprofit. So mm -hmm. I was working for an organization that was really dedicated to a mission of helping people that have been diagnosed with breast cancer um, get access to resources, including fitness and health and wellness opportunities. And so I would get to go out and actually speak at a lot of gyms and talk with people that were already committed to health and wellness and see how they could assist in supporting the organization with our mission around breast cancer. Um, and to be honest, I mean, every time that I went out there, I believed so much in what we were doing as an organization. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer as well. So um, I, I was very passionate about the mission and why it was important to me. So anytime I could talk about it and see people light up and understand why it was so important, that was, that was like phenomenal. I mean, that really ingrained in me how powerful communication is and sharing your voice and, and being very authentic in what it is that you do to serve and sharing that, you know, on a, on a stage or in a gym or in a podcast. I mean, all those are forms of, of public speaking. Right. It's the number one fear everyone has, right? I think it's the number one thing that everyone said, oh, I don't want to get up there or, you know, what's <laughs> the point? But there's different ways, right? This is a, this is a, this is a public speaking event. You know, I, we, yeah. we take these podcast interviews as events. And if you look at it that way, you just change perspective. Sometimes it makes a difference. Uh, now, do you have a specific style? Do you have like a sequence you go in to get the audience attention, make sure you keep them motivated? Or what's your style compared to, let's say, uh, a bigger name like a Gary Vee or a Tony Robbins, is it something you learn from them or is it just something you developed your own style along the way? You know, I, I think everybody just kind of has a natural style, right? Gotcha. And so I try and always like to pick my, picture myself at, you know, an event where I feel really comfortable with, like, say, family. So most of my family is Italian. And okay. I grew up in the East Coast. Like, I have very strong, like, confident family members, you know, Italian women that go out there and just have no fear of saying what they think. Right. And so um, I think I just learned at a very young age that just being honest and not to the point of like, I have a filter, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I'm not shy and bashful about sharing a story or talking about something that maybe somebody might be a little like hesitant to share. I love to tell stories. Um, I'm probably pretty animated for the most part because I'm again, half Italian. So I use my hands a lot. And so, <laughs> Um, it's just kind of who I am. I just, I genuinely really do love speaking and talking. And since I was a kid, like it's never been something I've, I've shied away from. So I think my style is just like, I'm pretty down to earth. I, I have been coached to be a very formal speaker, but now that I do it on my own, I'm less formal, I guess, mm -hmm. in the way that I approach it. So sometimes I get a little, even in my podcast, I get a little bit off track. I, I don't script my podcast. I know what I want to talk about, but I will usually get into a tangent of something else and then come back with a story and then bring it all together because that's just that's just how I do it. 
Yeah, we'll come back to informal versus formal. It's a really, uh, really interesting point because a lot of people think that formal, you know, it gets too run out, it gets too scripted, it loses confidence, loses focus. Whereas informal, it's just off the cuff, it's your experiences. But let's go back and let's go right, right, right into the podcast. The rare fine voices that shed the lights on topic from personal leadership on unique curiosities from your bio. Uh, give us a little one-on-one on what the podcast is about and how you approach it for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I I like to take when I'm inspired about a topic, it could be where I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm like, oh, that's a really good topic to talk about. Or I might just be driving somewhere like I kind of come up with a topic based on an inspiration of like, I think that's interesting for conversation. Mm -hmm. And then I apply stories or learnings or something that, you know, sheds a light on it with a different perspective. And that's really what it's about. I just want to open people up to you know, shed a light on a perspective that might help them think differently about something. So, for example, I, I always launch um, a new episode on Wednesday morning. So, like this morning, the topic was about resolutions. And for me, I wanted to talk about it because I've never really looked at that idea that uh, the word resolutions with a positive frame of mind. I've always kind of poo-pooed the whole idea of resolutions. So, I had a very different feeling about it this year and I looked at it differently. And so I brought forward the different, like a different idea of how I was understanding it and the new meaning it had for me. And that was my topic. So that's kind of a lot of times that's how it comes up. Now I'm starting to venture into where I'm bringing in guests, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. excited about that and we can have a real conversation, not just me telling my side of it, having a conversation with people about an idea, a topic, but it all kind of comes under this umbrella of sharing your voice in a way that's going to shed a light, a new perspective, help people think differently about something and inspire them to do, you know, things that they want to do, right? And, you know, under the rare find umbrella, which is really just about owning your gifts and using them to be awesome in your life. Any uh, episode from when you first started the podcast to now, uh, when you launched this morning, that, that episode about resolution that struck a chord with the audience and the audience feel like, oh, you got a lot of positive feedback. Did you get any type of feedback, any, anything in particular? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to get more and more feedback as, you know, I encourage people to subscribe or leave me a comment or review or what have you. So, you know, cause I'm still kind of new to the podcast game. But, um, you know, when I look at some of my statistics, for some reason, the, the one of the top downloaded episodes right now is one that I called uh, From Layoff to Better Off. And it was talking about going through a layoff and how how I learned from both of those experiences, which can be really tough. Like losing your job sucks. But at the same time, when you are able to look at it through the lens like I did this last time, like and understand it, then you can grow from it. And I am better off where I am now and I'm grateful that my life changed at that moment, even though I didn't expect it. Yeah, that growth mindset, right? I think those unexpected changes that happen in our lives and, and, and as you go through it, right, it gives that, that light to voice. It really it puts a puts a humble perspective in there for sure. Yeah. Uh so looking at just some of the other things with the podcast, when you go into these guests, is there any a style of interview you're gonna try? You're gonna try to make this more like a conversation or is it going to be scripted or or, or as you develop those informal informalities, you're going to try to make it like that. Um, I think that because I'm just getting started, I actually have my first guest tomorrow. Okay. Um, I think I'm I'm looking at it where I have a series of questions that I really like to talk with people about, like things that I would be curious about, and that's the number one thing in my in my life is curiosity. So if I start to you know have a conversation and ask some of these questions, and it goes down a a path where I feel like it's an interesting path, I'm just going to go with that and not worry about, oh my gosh, I have all these other questions because I don't want it to sound forced. I don't want it to sound like I'm trying to guide the conversation. I really want it to feel like it's something that very naturally is bringing forward such like really juicy nuggets, um, you know, whether it be a story or a piece of inspiration. So um, that's my intention. I'm going to play with it and see what happens, but that's, that's, that's my planned approach. That's a great approach, right? I think it's just trial and error, right? Learn the process as you go. If something clicks, it clicks. If it doesn't, always great to take it. And you're early in the process, right? So it's, it's really, it's really fun. This is the best time in the process. It's nice. It's very informal. 
if you make a decision one day, it can always lead to something the next. Absolutely. And I want uh, it to be fun too. I mean, honestly, yeah. I want a guest to be like, that was really fun and that they felt comfortable and enjoyed the discussion. Yeah, the environment, right? I think that's something uh, – that was one of the things I was going to talk about, the culture and the environment, how you make any business or brand. You want to actually go into that? What's your – what's your? What, let's say you go into a client, right? What's the environment? Do you have a nice space for people to sit down and talk to? Uh, are you very welcoming? Give me a little bit of your style of coaching, too, as well as the environment, how you can apply to, sell, uh, to calm them down and sell them down. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody – I work with primarily it's done virtually. So okay. I do most of my coaching via Zoom um, or via phone. So some people feel more comfortable not being seen, and that's okay. Right. If that's what makes them feel better, then I'd be happy. You know, I'll coach them via phone, and that's just as helpful. But if they want to do Zoom, great. I love doing Zoom because it does give you kind of a more of a personal contact, and, you know, you can see their expressions, and they can see mine. And so um, right, right. I do try and develop a good, you know, demeanor with my clients because, at the end of the day, like we're working on like human connection and their people. So what I do is very personal and, and there's vulnerability involved. So I do want them to feel comfortable. So I always encourage them, Hey, have a, have a quiet space somewhere that you're you know not going to be interrupted. I get it. You've got kids or work stuff or whatever, but you're committing to yourself, honestly. So this is your investment in you. So I'm, you know, these are some things that are going to help you be more successful if you allow yourself to just kind of like focus in on this, lean into it for the hour of time usually, and um, that's where they're truly going to benefit. So, you know, if that means that they want to have a glass of wine or uh, have their lunch, like, okay, that's like whatever works best for them. <laughs> right. It's very open. It's very informal on, on how you appearance. The appearance sometimes isn't the the, uh, the main message. It's what's on the inside to get you to express better on the outside that counts sometimes for real. Uh, let's talk about the power pivot theory a little bit before we uh, came on the call. I don't, not too familiar, I'm still learning as we go, but what is the power pivot theory in your mind? Give us a one-on-one on that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I get, it goes back to the fact that I, I know that I've been through a series of different changes in my life. And what I, what I believe to be true is that the word pivot is really about change, but people translate like the word change with a different um, perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So change can be really scary for a lot of people. It puts them in a place of fear. Like if that changes, this will happen. It's like, it's like a very um, finite, like detached ending, right? Like it's either this or that and it's changed. And I don't like that. So the word pivot is really just looking at change management through a different lens. And when you pivot, you're still kind of connected, right? You're, you know, Think about it in sports, right? You pivot on one foot. Or um, I love to give the analogy of a plane. When a plane has a specific flight plan and it pivots by one degree, right, 1% change of a flight plan, you're going to wind up somewhere completely different than where you had intended. But you would barely feel the shift, right? And so that's what a pivot is. It's going to get you somewhere else, but it doesn't, feel as scary or as tremendous as the word change. And if you allow yourself to pivot and you go with that and you know that where you're going is not going to be a straight line, you embrace that. Um, my analogy is, or I guess my, what I would say, my, my tip, my nugget is like that pivots are power steps towards your dreams. I like that. Pivots are power steps. Yeah. And that, that's great, right? I think, in life, we're all going to have a pivot, and we're all going to understand that when you pivot, it's okay because it, you almost decrease the fear and you uh, increase the level of being comfortable, in a sense. Uh, would you say it's an interpersonal theory or, or uh, interpersonal theory, Do you, or, or both, where you can apply it to yourself and others or, or just vice versa? I think, I think both, to be honest. Gotcha. I mean, again, it's something that I've had to understand about myself. And again, re- remove judgment for, you know, people kind of freak out sometimes like, oh my gosh, I've done so many different ma- things in my career. And that can be seen as a positive or negative thing. If I just shot you my resume with all the different kinds of jobs and things I've done, you might look at it and be like, wait, what, how did that happen? Like, what is she good at? And, and I think for a while I had that perspective of myself 
what am I good at? Like I've done so many different things. I started as a wardrobe stylist working in entertainment and I've done all of these things. And then I was leading a nonprofit and I was a C-level executive and now I'm a coach. Like, what does that tell me? I mm-hmm. had to understand that. I had to understand my pivots and what those common threads were. And so I'm able to help other people do that too and remove the judgment and help them step back from it. Because when you're so close to it, you're, you might not see it with a good understanding that will help you get what you want. You're just going to look at it and be like, ugh, I don't really like that, What you know. So does that help answer your question? <laughs> no, it's good. It makes sense. It really ties in your life, right? Going through those pivots and going through those changes from a wardrobe stylist to your own coaching business and, and you know, all the nooks and crannies in between, you understood that, hey, life is really a powerful message. And when you pivot sometimes and you go that, like you said, with the plane, a degree off, it's not the end of the world. It really is. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that for sure? Yeah. No, it's funny because even when I was in my coaching practice, I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to be open to trying something because you know there's going to be a learning there. And when um, about a year or so ago, I was doing a lot of relationship coaching and dating coaching. And I decided to also take on an opportunity to become a matchmaker. And I, oh, was wow. a prof- I was a professional matchmaker for almost a year as well. And I didn't understand it. It was just like, I don't know why I decided to do it. To me, it made sense. I was dating coaching and matchmaking. And it was like these common things that work very well together. And, but again, if I had like maybe, I don't know, a year before that, like tried to think about what I might be doing, that would never have been on my radar. Like not at all. <laughs> and now to be like doing the kind of coaching that I'm doing, which is a little bit more holistic um, in the sense of I work with business professionals, I work with executives, I work with small business owners, I work with, um, you know, mompreneurs, like it's very diverse in what I'm doing and not specific. And it's like, oh yeah, I was a matchmaker too. And people kind of, I was just find that like funny or odd. I don't know, but I, I learned so much from it. It was a big pivot that got me here. Anything that you've seen from the matchmaking in the world of romance that you can apply to your coaching scene or just any one message that you want to give to the audience that they might be struggling not only with the love life, but just maybe in general romance you've seen? <laughs> matchmaking is a very interesting thing. And you know what it comes down to is somebody truly understanding themselves. Uh-huh. Because at the end of the day, like a matchmaker has a job to do, which is trying to connect people with, um, you know, common interests or, you know, things that they they might be looking for in a partner. But it's like you can't convince somebody to change their mind about what they're looking for until they really understand if it's working for them or not. So it's kind of like, it's like when you're out there in the dating world, try to just be open to understanding yourself without trying to, um, like, attract yourself to other people right? So stop forcing the hand, start trying to say, I'm looking for this and just Mm -hmm. put yourself out there energetically and know who you are and be, be cool with it. Be confident, be happy with what you, what you're doing and who you are. Guarantee you that's going to attract the kind of people that you want. Right. Don't chase it. Just don't, don't force the hand at play. And a good analogy, we go to the plane, right? They always say, put your oxygen mask on first and then help (laughs) others. You know, it really, yeah. it really is true. Just make sure you understand how to put it on and then for yourself and make sure you know you understand what you're doing in life and your personal values and then align it with someone else's and when the time strikes for sure. Now, this is probably one of the, the biggest things I'm sure you noticed this. I noticed this too uh, in life. People love to put their biases in, right? They like to say, uh, well, I did this and we're trying to help a client. It really isn't fun because you're really putting your story into theirs. How many times have you caught yourself or how many times maybe when you started off did you find yourself, I, I, I accidentally put my story into their story in the coaching world? Yeah, you know, it's a very common thing because I think also coaching, you know, it attracts people that really want to help others. Right. And it's it's easy to say, this is this is how I've done it or this has worked for me or whatever. Like, it's almost like you want you want so badly people to have the results and so trying to give it to them is it, it, like such a, it's like a natural thing to do. So it happens. Um, 
But I think at the end of the day, it's like once you've been doing it for a while and you trust the coaching process, then you mm -hmm. know that every single step your client's going to take is going to be successful to them in a different way than it is to you, right? So removing the idea that success is even remotely tied to what you do as a coach, it's a thousand percent tied to what your client does for themselves. Makes sense, right? I think it's all it's all about perfecting that game plan, that playbook that's going to best that, uh, best suit them moving in life. It's not about you know Robin's experiences, even though it's great to have those, right? Maybe on the side, like a nice side conversation when the chat's done, give like a couple like baby tips. At the end of the day, right, to get the the perfect results, we need to get client A to have client A moves and client A execution for sure. Yeah, and I love the fact that you said it like the box. Like we talk about that a lot. Like get yourself out of the box. Right. So not putting yourself in the box with the client, getting too sucked into the emotional piece, because we may have had things similar that have happened to us that were like, oh, man, yeah, I get it. I've been there. And you want to give them the the solution to the problem, but it might not be what they need. Um, and so you've got to be really careful about that. Um, and also, not, you know, there's no judgment when when a coach is a good coach, they're removing the judgment and they're helping their client. Right, remove right. their own personal judgment too it's like there's no good or bad it's not was that a good thing or a bad thing is is it serving you and if it is awesome and if it's not what do you want to change all right and, and that's that's probably where we, we talked about word choice. i was going to come back to that how important is word choice uh in the coaching field? i know certain words might trigger like certain emotions and then there's certain words that might trigger a happy response that goes back to the facial expressions. Give me some of those uh, experiences where you felt like a certain word triggered a client and they felt happy or sad and how you move forward after that process. Yeah. I, again, I think it comes down to words that create a, you know, again, a judgment, mm -hmm. you know, good, bad, right, wrong. Um, the word mistake, you know, um, there is no such thing as a mistake if you can realize that you're going to learn from everything. So, it's just, I, I think those are probably the most common. Um, I really like to phrase questions that are going to help them think. Uh, we call them empowering questions. So mm -hmm. things that are going to help them think about, like, uh, you know, how would you do something or how would you approach something instead of will you do this or will you do It's like you don't want it to be about a yes or a no. It's it's a how. It's a what. It's a why. Um because that's going to help somebody dig further and not get to a stop. Once they get to a stop, it's like, oh, crap, what are we going to do now to push you forward again? <laughs> you know, that's coaching is all about forward movement. Absolutely. Keep going forward. And, and I love how you said clarifying questions, right? That's the, that's the number one thing to get answered. Even if you get that first question, clarify it, right? Always, always be, don't be afraid to ask questions because at the end of the day, that's how you really get all the answers, not only just in coaching, but in life. The more you ask, the more data you get. The more data you get, the more chances and opportunities to find a solution, for sure. Right. And it doesn't always happen in the session. Um, a lot of times, most of the work or most of the um, kind of powerful shifts and changes that happen are between sessions. Because then mm. they're able to go away from the conversation and think about it or apply something, um, process something. So um, many times, it's the after the session, I'll get a message or a text or an email or something, and it's like, I wanted to share this with you because I was thinking about, you know, the session or what we talked about or whatever, and this is what happened. And so, you know, that's where that action comes into play. We can talk about it all we want for an hour, but until they actually apply it, you know, and start to understand it and see the results from it, like, doesn't mean anything. Right, right. And it, 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 the action plan, right, of understanding yourself and, and putting yourself out there, right, I think as you said, the judgment's always going to be there. There's always going to be a certain time in your life where everything's going to happen. Judgment, whether it be from your friends, coworkers, get the picture. But yeah. like you said, putting yourself out there and really putting in the work off behind the scenes, away from the session, and and uh, using those in-between session moments to talk with your counselor, coach, et cetera, and really putting a deeper relational uh, relationship. And would you say these clients are like a, almost a, certain, like a second family to you? I mean, I say that it's like, it's as, as connected as you want it to be, 
right? Okay. So there are some clients that they want this to be um, a certain type of relationship, right, where they can trust you, but at the same time, like, maybe they're not ready for that level of vulnerability or connection, so that takes time to build, and I'm totally okay with that. But I just have so much pride and excitement around seeing people, um, like, grow into their success or grow into their joy and their happiness, you know? I mean, that's that's really where it comes to life. So yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a personal connection that I have with people. And at the end of the day, um, I just love staying in touch with them. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's really important, but sometimes they just want to move on. They're like, Oh, I did that. Cool. Like, see ya. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's got their certain point where a relationship is always going to have a a starting point. And sometimes they'll have a termination point. And in between you just enjoy those moments and memories for sure. And I guess that's a good thing that you made more of a relational conversation and a relational a relationship instead of a transaction. We hear that all the time where, oh, it's just a transaction, you know, get in, get my session, get the heck out. Whereas you're making this a more relational family environment for the most part gives you a, a leg up on the state of competition for sure. Well, and a lot of times these are things that they don't feel comfortable talking about with some, you know, people that are close to them. Um, right, right, right. You know, because again, maybe they're feeling like I should be, feeling differently about it or but I should be at a different place in my career or maybe the relationship isn't working and I really want to understand it. So they don't feel comfortable talking about it with their best friend or their family member or spouse um, who may also show up with a bias um, right, in the right, perspective. Right. So it's a very different kind of relationship because they know that they can share and they can trust in the kind of uh, feedback and insight they're going to get from their coach. That's right, bias and insight. I think that's key. Without the close connection and you being, you know, very not only a stranger to them when you first meet them, but mm-hmm. it's an open source, right? I mean, that's the key. You don't you don't have all the answers, but as you guide through the process and you understand their qualities, what makes them tick and whatnot, and how to get their game plan going, you become like friends. And to keep that close and stay on bias is going to be the ever going process in anything you do with helping people. But I know the form, you didn't fall out fully, but let's just say, what do you wish more people knew or believed that you can transpire to the show? Hmm. What do I wish people knew or believed? Yeah, it can be anything. It can be coaching. It can be anything you've learned in your life. Anything you'd like to share? Um, I I think what I wish is that um, people believe more in what's possible than what's not possible. And I heard a statistic once, and I thought it was really almost kind of concerning, where uh, I forget, I think, want to say it's like upwards of 60, like people have upwards of 60,000 60, thoughts every day in, that come up in their brain. And 94% of them are negative, are what, what, is, what they don't want to happen. And that 6% of what they do want that like optimistic view is like it's so small it's remarkable and so i guess what i would really want is for more people to start to increase that six percent you know to really look at what's possible versus what they don't want or focusing on the negative or focusing on what you know they think they don't have access to do or believe in like bring that 6% number up. Believing in oneself, it really is crazy. And, and thank you for that stat, right? I mean, that's, that's unfathomable to think about. Just think of 60,000. Many people think it's like a million, two million, but you're probably right in a 24-hour day, you're looking at 3,800 almost, 3,500 uh, thoughts per hour. And you just look at that, it's like, wow. And you just take a step back and realize that, or two down, I'm sorry, 2,500. Uh, just look at that stat and just be like, well, you know what? What can I do to be better? And maybe it's that one negative moment that is the opportunity. Maybe it's those mm-hmm. 10 positive thoughts that really do make the difference and, and create a ratio of saying, well, I, I want to make sure I'm a better person today, but not only today, tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Yeah, yeah. Optimism can really get you very far in life. And I'm a realist, too. You know, mm-hmm. not the person that's out there thinking everything is sunshine and roses. But, oh, right, right, right. You know, at the end of the day, it does come down to your perspective, how you show up, your mindset. And when you're thinking about something, are you thinking about it with that positive energy of, of you know, this is possible? 
or is it like, well, that's, that's a barrier or that's something I'm afraid of and getting in your own way. Like it, you can choose. That's it. It's, it's all choice, right? It's all down to you and whatever you believe at the end of the day. It's not my choice or someone else's choice. It's really what you believe in and, you know, uh, values aligning. But speaking of aligning, if the stars could align or if this is your, uh, what you like to be doing right now, what would your brand project or business look like when it's all said and done to leave that legacy? I, I'm sorry, I missed the very last part of that question. Oh, uh, uh, the legacy, the legacy. What would it be all said and done when, when this is all over and everything's uh, in the shed, as they like to say? Yeah, I think um, I would want it to be where, you know, the reason I named my my brand Rare Find, um, there's kind of a personal story that goes with that. But at the end of the day, it was something that somebody said about me that mm-hmm. I was a rare find. And um I really took that with so much um, pride and, and, and joy. Like it made me feel so special. And so what I really intend to do is anybody that I work with, like I want them to believe that they are a rare find, you know, in the business world, in their personal life, you know, in a relationship, that they really truly believe that about themselves. So that legacy is just having people feel that and emanate from that and share it with other people and make them feel like a rare find in this world. That's, that's really the legacy that I want from a, you know, being a coach and being a speaker and inspiring other people to tap into that for themselves. It's funny when people think of anything about finding something, they always come to that first phrase, right? Diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you look at it, you put the perspective on that rare find and you realize that you know, like that that's a pepper commercial, one in a billion, right? That one in a million or one in a billion, you really are going to be a rare find. I think the people out there who may be struggling or, or just may not see that rare find, what would be their message to them before we hit our last question about what can make them a rare find and how they can improve their quality of life? Go back to what makes them happy. Like, I, you know, there's there's joy that people have, things that make that bring them joy. And I believe so much in the fact that you need to understand that for yourself first before you set out to say, this is what I want to do in my life um, and how you show up to, you know, being a, a better parent or better in your relationships, um, you know, finding your passion for your career. It comes down to understanding your joys and I have a, actually have a method. I call it the 531 method. And I created a, a free download for it because it just helps people understand like what their joys are and then what that does to create possibility in their life. Like really just play with the possibilities that these joys can create once they understand them and put that into an intentional action, you know, to get what they want in life and have it grounded in that place of joy. So that's something that I work with clients on, but I was like, you know what, this is something I can share with other people, kind of kickstart them. And so I created it as a free download. That's great. No, free resources, right? We didn't even touch on that, but I'm sure you have resources and tools when you're not there, right? 24 seven or when you're not there in a session or you have something to come up where they can use those tools and resources to make sure they can execute whenever their game plan is to get back in the game of life and, and align their core value. That's great. I think a lot of people miss that portion of the business world or, or any type of uh, entrepreneurship. You've got to have those resources, whether it's automation or you literally say, hey, here's a free email and per week of quotes. It's something as simple as that just shows you have that customer clientele and you care about the customer for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what is a quote, company motto, or mission statement you try to use in your day-to-day? Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a quote. It's kind of more of like a personal mantra um, okay. where I I kind of fill in the blanks. <laughs> okay. But it's three it's three sentences, and they all start with the word I believe. And so it's it kind of helps me set my mindset. So I, I I fill in the blanks on I believe I will, I believe I can, and I believe I am. Those are the three things that for me, when I start to like really put forth an effort in like, you know, figuring out my goals and my intentions, I've got to get into that mindset of understanding, believing that I will, that I can, and that I am able to do whatever it is that I'm setting myself out to do. I think it's a great will. Uh, we say, I believe I will, I can. And you know, that, that, those are great sentences. Uh, they're simple, right? It's, it's, like I said, fill in the blank type stuff. But yeah. when you believe you will, you have that willpower, you can do it. Things happen. Things can. Things not only will happen, 
but you become your own person. That's why I got out of that, right? Because as you develop in life, as the world, as they like to say, hardens people, you can always find a way to soften yourself and not let the world get to you. And I think those three statements, Robert, are a great example of how not only anyone going through any trouble, but just in everyday life, even if you're straight right now in the sense of I'm all right, nothing's going bad, it's a nice smooth sail in the ocean, boom. When something happens, you go back to that statement and you can always use that as motivation for yourself and your clients as well. Yeah. Uh, what is your 2020 vision and uh, what you want to do uh, uh, for the, the coaching business, the podcast, the speaking gigs, all that? And also, what would, what will be your vision at the end of the decade, too? Hmm. I love, I like, I love when it was like 2020. I was so stoked for that. Like it has such a good ring to it. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's just to kind of like stay the course. And I know like for you, you, you speak a lot about consistency. So I think that in order to have the impact that I desire um, in my coaching and speaking in the podcast, like they're all intertwined, it's mm-hmm. about consistency and really just continually to continuing to show up and talk about you know, these themes about change and pivot and joy and grounding people um, and getting them to push themselves towards those possibilities versus running away from them because of fear. So I guess it's just kind of like doing more of what I'm doing now very consistently, more speaking opportunities. I mean, the more more options that I have to share the message, the better. So you know, I open the door to anything coming my way when it comes to events or conferences or, you know, speaking gigs. And then the podcast is just going to kind of keep going. I I try not to put too much pressure on the podcast being a, a huge driver of business. It's more about um, adding value and sharing and giving something, uh, a gift in a way to people through my voice and then, you know, expanding that through the guest appearances. That's kind of what that looks like. I like it, right? The more consistently you show up, the more you let it happen naturally, right? That's another thing. Let it happen naturally. Don't force the issue, as you said earlier in the show. Intentionally act on it when, when need be. And also find find your style and never be afraid to make, you know, adjustment or pivot. That's going to be the key, I think, to not only, you know, your 2020 vision, but to this next decade to leave a legacy. Uh, not only for yourself, but your kids, right? Your kids will eventually... Uh, find maybe some value in that, and they'll start going into their own maybe entrepreneurship, hustle, or business, or whatever they want to do, right? And uh, you'll find real value in that, and you'll give back to the community. Oh, that's the one thing I forgot. I guess you want to touch on real quick. What is the community vibes out there like in California? Yeah, is, is San Diego, if I'm not mistaken, you said? Yeah, I'm in North County, San Diego, and I'm in, okay. I mean, I love, I love San Diego as a community. Um, I've always enjoyed it. I've lived in a lot of different parts of the country. I've lived in New York. I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in San Francisco, LA, San Diego. Um, and this is where I really, really feel just the most comfortable. I mean, I'm two miles from the beach. I'm an outdoorsy kind of girl. Like I, I just appreciate where I live because it's beautiful and awesome weather. And it's the kind of people that, you know, have the same feel, right? It's a very kind of uh, down to earth kind of community, which I appreciate, you know, and my kids love it too. So I'm very blessed. That's right. The environment's everything we talked about earlier. That's great to hear. But thank you so much, Robin, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the show. Uh, but before we go, can you plug your social handles so people can find you? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, so my my website is robinconig.com. Super easy to find me, Robin with a Y. Um, and my Instagram is at rarefind underscore love. So that's how you can find me on Instagram. LinkedIn is always an awesome way to find people. So I always, you know, tell people go on LinkedIn and look me up. You'll find me under Robin Koenig. Um, and then also I wanted to mention too that that download that I said, the 531 method is available to anybody um, that is interested in just kind of checking it out and doing something to try it out. So um, that's actually available if you just text the word possible to 31996. So it's a simple thing. You just literally grab your phone, text the word possible to 31996 and they'll get the free download from me. So that's another way that people can kind of, you know, connect with me or, you know, kind of try out some different things that maybe will be helpful for them. Yeah, it'll definitely give us that code and we'll, uh, we'll plug it in the show notes. I think that's a great source, right, for anybody trying to get in the game of getting yourself aligned and making sure they're 
their mental health and whatnot or whatever business dreams they're trying to inspire or anything uh, to make sure they're, they're feeling great. But thank you so much, guys, always, guys, and the podcast experiences guests. Thank you guys to the listeners out there for giving your undivided attention. As always, Robin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, KT. I appreciate it. Yo, thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, we hope this episode was valuable. And for more awesome stories, please subscribe. If you have someone else in mind that should hear these episodes too, go ahead and share it. We dare you. Follow us on Instagram at The United Promotion. And for everything else, including show notes and more info on how to become a guest on our podcast, visit linktr.ee forward slash the UP. Have a great day.